Can you guys just give it up for all that uh, God did this past weekend? Pretty amazing. One of my favorite scenes is uh, when I was holding the drill. Didn't actually use it, but I got to hold it, so I pre- uh, felt pretty empowered. I sent that uh, video um, on Monday, made it real quick, uh, sent it to uh, the mayor and the head of community development and uh, one of her assistants, and this is what uh, the mayor wrote back to me in an email. Uh, she said this, What a wonderful effort by so many. I have to say my staff is enamored with your mighty crew who spent a hot summer day to help three families. Thank you so very much. This video is amazing and fun to watch. It's been shared with all of our employees, and they're enjoying it immensely. Kudos to you and your faithful ones who, quote, love St. Charles. Um, I, uh, I posted it and sent it to those three, and uh, I didn't check back till one, and at one there was already 120 uh, hits on YouTube. So uh, obviously the, the mayor had passed it along and was very encouraged. And I'm encouraged. I was encouraged to watch you all, and, and I know some of you weren't able to come, and, uh, you know, for obviously great reasons. Um, but for those of us that were praying or a part of it, uh, truly a great work in what God's doing here. And uh, like I shared last week, the city is greatly behind what's happening, and uh, each of us get the, get the blessing to be a part of it. And so I just want to encourage each of you that you are more and more every day living out the mission of Christ. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to learn how to be better missionaries, how to grow in our understanding of missional living, and to seek and live that out together as the community, as the church. So I want to welcome you to that tonight. Saying that, uh, we get the opportunity tonight to wrestle with a text that is going to break down many uh, misperceptions. There is a a particular area of study that has uh, been the, the subject of much debate in the church, and that area of study is spiritual gifts. When you start talking about spiritual gifts, it instantly arises this like weird thing in everybody. They, they instantly want to talk about a few subjects within it. The beautiful thing about when you study a verse by verse like we do in the scripture is that you come to passages that you have to wrestle with, and the way we wrestle with the text is it's word by word. And so we're not going to take something out of context tonight. We're going to study word for word what Peter is saying about spiritual gifts. And within that, I think a phenomenal message for me and you to be able to walk away with that, I think will break down some of the things that you walked in here thinking a spiritual gift was. So are you ready to journey on, my friends? Open your Bibles to 1 Peter. That's where we've been uh, for several months now. We're going to be picking up in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 10. I'm really excited about this text tonight. Um, I, uh, early on in my life, didn't know what a spiritual gift was. Uh, it sounded like some crazy cool Christmas present um, that Christians got at Easter or something. Uh, I really wasn't sure what it was. Um, but as time went along, I started to understand more and more and started to understand how many differing perspectives there, there really is. And so I want to I put that out there tonight, that there are many differing perspectives on what a spiritual gift is. And tonight, verse by verse and word by word, we're going to break that down. So let's start in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 4. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Well, uh, put up uh, the verse here for me. Uh, The first uh, key thing for us to understand is as each. What does that mean? Every follower of Jesus, every professing Christian, every person that says Jesus is my Lord and Savior, is given certain spiritual gifts as each. One of the first misnomers in our culture is that there are some spiritual gifts, or or spiritual gifts rather in general, are just given to some. Some don't have any spiritual gifts if they're believers, but others do. Peter says, as each, every 
person who is a follower of Christ has a spiritual gift. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to show you every passage in the New Testament that lists the spiritual gifts. But before that, let's define it, shall we? So here's the definition according to Wayne Grudem, who wrote uh, Systematic Theology, a big book that all of you should read. It'll take you about three years. Any talent or ability, listen to this, any talent or ability which is empowered by the Holy Spirit and able to be used what? In the ministry of the church. So if, if a person is born and they have a gift of leadership and they're able to be the CEO of a company, but they're not a believer, that means they have a a talent or a gift, but not a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is something that is empowered, fueled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to all followers of Christ at the moment that God justifies them or saves them. Are you with me? So that's the definition. A, a gift, a talent that is empowered and fueled by the Holy Spirit. And everyone in this room who is a professing follower of Jesus has at least one. But I want to show you something interesting here. I want to show you four different places. There are five lists in the New Testament. Four different places where these are listed out. And we're going to find something very intriguing by this. Put up Romans first for me. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, uh, these gifts are listed. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, and acts of mercy. So if you were just looking at this and and took this list, then you would say, okay, pretty self-explanatory. In Romans uh, 12, then those are the spiritual gifts. Problem is, this isn't the only list in the scripture. So put up 1 Corinthians for me. Uh, chapter 12 lists a bunch of others. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, spiritual discernment, various tongues, which is the most popular spiritual gift that people like to debate and discuss, speaking in tongues. I will say we'll uh, discuss it a little bit, but not at length. And then finally, the interpretation of tongues. A little bit later in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see a whole other list. Apostles, prophets, teaching, miracles, healing, helping, administration, and various tongues. And finally in Ephesians chapter 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Now, a few things I want to say before I put up a really colorful chart. We're all given a, 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 a spiritual gift. And the spiritual gift is given to followers of Jesus. And we here at Matthias, you'll look at some of these, and you'll see some controversial gifts. You're like, okay, healing. So Mark, you're saying that these are the spiritual gifts, and healing is up there. So Mark, like, when when are we doing the healing service, right? Well, maybe contrary to what you think, um, we do plead for healing often here. Uh, It hasn't uh, arisen that anyone necessarily has the power of healing here, and it seems... uh, Uh, necessary to say that in the New Testament, both miracles and the power of healing were often showed on the front lines of when the gospel was spreading out to the church. We believe that all of these are still alive and present here in our current day in their various forms. Does that make sense? So though we plead for healing and though we plead for God to do miraculous things, and though we also believe that some may be gifted at this, uh, those particular gifts aren't as uh, prevalent as they once were in the, earlier, in the early church as the gospel was moving out to unknown lands. Does that make sense to everyone? Now, for those of you that like colors, uh, put up this slide for me. Now, what I've done here is I've, uh, I've highlighted uh, and underlined every repeating gift, okay? What you'll notice is with First Peter included, 
that there is not one gift, even though uh, you'll see the prophecy is in a highlighted green there, is in all four of these. It's not in 1 Peter. So there's not one gift that's mentioned in all five lists in the New Testament. In fact, what you'll see here is some are repeated, some are not, some twice, some three times. But this is absolutely critical in our understanding of spiritual gifts, and I never got this. It's as if to say, these are a few of the spiritual gifts that Paul specifically brings to the forefront, but this is not an exhaustive list. If there was a consistency to the list, then we could step back and say, okay, these are the exact spiritual gifts. Here you go. Where do you fit, right? Take the computer program list thing like many of you have done, right, to tell you your spiritual gift. But we can't do that. There's not an exhaustive list. And all of these lists are very relevant because they're in the Scripture. So we have to say this then, that, that what Scripture portrays is the beginning of all of the possible spiritual gifts. God gives his, his gifts as he discerns, and the lists that we see in the Scriptures are just the ones that Paul brings to the forefront. But there could be others. Does that make sense to you all? All right? Now, there's also something else, and turn to the bottom of the screen here. There's something else called the fruits of the Spirit, just to keep saying Spirit as many times as possible tonight. So you have the gifts of the Spirit, which is given to various people. We'll talk more about that. But then there's something else called the fruits of the Spirit. Now, the difference is this. One of you in here may have the gift of teaching. Another uh, one of you in here may have the spiritual gift of acts of mercy. Another one, the a spiritual gift of exhortation. The difference between spiritual gifts and the fruits of the Spirit is that the fruits of the Spirit are what we are all to be portraying. The fruits of the Spirit are what we are all empowered by the Spirit to be revealing. Those things are this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are not gifts, these are fruits. These are the evidence of the Spirit's work in the life of followers of Jesus. There's a big difference. If you look up to the top list and you don't see yourself in there, that's, that's okay, because again, it's not necessarily an exhaustive list. There may be other spiritual gifts that God is giving. But if you look down at this lower list, the fruits of the Spirit, and you see yourself nowhere in that list as a follower of Christ, those are to be exuded as true followers and believers of Jesus. Now to the fun stuff. As each has received, put up verse 10 again for me. As each has received a gift. Now, one of the biggest misnomers in our culture about spiritual gifts, listen, is that you can get them, that you can earn them, that they can be sought after, and that they can be pursued. Now, people confuse, listen, I don't want to, go off on a tangent here, but people confuse the end of 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul specifically says, seek the greater gifts. The problem is, if people take that and say that there are some gifts that are greater than others, they're misinterpreting 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is written to the body of Christ to together seek the gifts of the Spirit. It's not escalating one gift over the other. It's rather saying corporately, as the church, the body of Christ, we are to adhere to the gifts that God freely gives. Are you with me, church? 
they're given. I remember sitting, and this is what many of you have come to know as a pitfall. I was sitting in my dorm room, and a friend of mine um, came into my room and said, do you want to speak in tongues? And I was like, well, um, I'm not sure what you mean by that. He's like, no problem. I'll just give you the gift right now. And um, like I had, like, you know, how does that conversation go, right? Like, I'm like, dude, I don't think that's how it works. Oh, yeah, no problem. I'll just lay my hands on you, and I'll pray for you. And pretty soon, like, you'll be speaking in, you know, Abu Dhabian or whatever. You know, like, that's, that's not how the gift works. It's given by Christ. The other false doctrine about spiritual gifts is that there are some gifts that reveal a level of maturity, okay? That if you exhibit this gift, then it shows your spiritual maturity. I've heard this false teaching all over the church, and it is bunk, it is not true, and it is not correct, all right? The gifts are given. That's why it's called a gift. God freely gives his gift to his followers, to his children, to build up the body of Christ. Are we together? So they're not to be sought out, although we are to seek what God has given us. They are given to us, received by us, because of his grace. Now, many uh, folks that I've encountered uh, in the circle, when we start talking about spiritual things, they'll say, well, Mark, why don't you X, Y, Z? It must be a sign of your maturity. I was just having this conversation three days ago. And it's like, no, 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 no. You, you're, you, you don't get it. As each has received a gift, it's a gift given by Christ. Use it to what? Serve one another. So we're given a gift, and Peter makes it very clear. It is for the edification of the body. A huge misunderstanding in spiritual gifts is that when you get a gift, it becomes all about you for you to hoard and then the thing I often hear is that that gift then is to, is to be used for self-edification. For instance, like it would be like me teaching and then going back and listening to the podcast over and over and over and just celebrating in this, right? I just, oh, that, oh, Mark, good, good point there. That was nice transition. That was perfect. You know, like that, gifts are not to be used for self-edification. They are given so that the church can serve one another. This is the power, listen, this is the power of the local church. I have many friends say that I can have church in my home by myself. I don't see that argument anywhere in the scripture. I see the argument that the body of Christ, the church, is absolutely quintessential to the movement of Jesus and that is why God has empowered each follower in here with a different intricate set of gifts so that when used together, we truly can be missional corporately. Are you with me, church? That's the beauty of the body. That's why you're not a loner. That's why there's community here. It's to serve one another. Your gifts not being hoarded or for your self-edification, but rather to be used here in the church context, to serve one another here. Now, I know that many of you have, because of church baggage, or because of how you were raised, or just because of the rhythm of your life, you have devalued the church. In fact, you may even potentially see this as just another encouraging thing to come to. But let me say this. The vitality of the local church is built upon followers 
gathering and remembering Jesus and using their gifts corporately to glorify God. If you're not called here to Matthias, if this isn't your church, so be it. Find another church community that's preaching the gospel, that's on mission in their city, and seek it out. The beauty of the body, the local church, is that together we form this ongoing movement using our gifts to serve one another as we serve everyone else around us. Are you with me? So look, if this isn't your church and you're just kind of floating through, floating around, let me encourage you with this. It's time to either sink roots in here, start serving with this body and seeing where God has gifted you that you could benefit the mission of this particular church or find another church where you can be encouraged and grow through the, through the gospel of Christ. Are you with me? That's the beauty of it. I hear so many, especially in the younger generation, devaluing the church. The church just becomes another place where they can go and feed from. That's not the picture. Peter's encouraging this body of believers to use their gifts to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. I love the word steward. It means manager. Did you guys know that um, Texas Roadhouse is coming to St. Charles? Did you guys know that? It's my wife and I's favorite restaurant, the rolls with butter. I just want to rub on my face. I mean, that butter is just like honey butter of love, you know, and it's just brilliant. But it's um, going, going in by Bass Pro. Going to be cool. Oh, we're actually going to start doing services there, um, so it should be a lot of fun. But as a manager of, let's say, Texas Roadhouse, you have a lot of things in your mind. You're worried about your employees. You're worried about how the food is prepared. You're worried about how it comes out. You're worried about the ambiance. You're worried about the atmosphere. Every day you go through this checklist of 30 things to make sure as a manager that you're doing your job, that you're preparing your folks, that they're understanding what direction the, the whole restaurant needs to move in. How many of you take your gift with that kind of seriousness? You see the gift that God has given you, empowering you to be a vital part of the body of Christ. How many of you would consider yourself to be a good steward of that gift? How many of you would say that right now in your life, literally every day, God, how can, how can I be used with this amazing, gracious gift that you have given me to be an encouragement to the body of Christ as I serve those who do not believe? Are you with me? How many of you would say that you're in this place where I just, I just desire to be a good steward? Well, let me, let me tell you about a few things happening here in our community. The whole reason why we started We Love St. Charles was that we could empower each of you to take ownership in the vision of loving this city so much so that you could use your gift, have no bounds, and ultimately wouldn't need to wait for the direction of a pastor or someone in charge to love. The beautiful thing is, many of you are experiencing this. I hear stories and stories every day of families that you're loving on that aren't directed or guided by any type of leadership. It's just because you've connected with them and you've pursued them and you've sought it out. We have an individual here in our body that through creative ways has raised $1,600 on her own accord for the future of We Love St. Charles. The whole reason we encountered and empowered you with this vision was that you wouldn't sit around and wait for Mark to say, do this or do that. And that was the amazing thing is I can't drill. And I sat back even on this past week 
and Brian Short led our project with Justin Stichter and all of the rest of us worked. And I wasn't on the other two sides. Other guys were empowered to lead, to use their gifts. And many of you were there serving, using your gifts. The whole reason why this summer we're going through a discipleship training is so that the role of shepherding, of discipling, isn't just on Matt, Jeff, and I. That the church, you all, take ownership in what we're called as a church to do, to be disciple makers. It's not just my job. It's not just Matt and Jeff's job to be disciple makers. It's followers in this body. So the reason why we're doing that is so you can use your gifts, so you can disciple, so you can use your calling. The whole reason why we have a, a, a leader and a sub-leader, a, a number one and number two in our law families, is to give more leaders an opportunity to lead. There are all kinds of things in this body that we're trying to put out there so that you aren't waiting for someone to point the finger, but you just say, this is my gift, I want to be a good steward, and so I'm going for it. And so I ask, what are you waiting for? I grew up in all my life, I felt like I was, I just had to wait for permission. You have permission, right? Like if you're going to, you know, create a, some kind of circus and you want to do it here in the building, like, yeah, we may need to sign off on that, you know? Right? If you're going to bring the whatever, the, never mind. But, right? But your permission comes from Christ. So what are you waiting on? Go to it. You got neighbors? Well, what are you, you waiting on someone to tell you to love them? You, you have folks in your path every day. You waiting on someone to put a big neon sign on your car window to encourage, I mean, go to it. This is the beauty of the gift that God has given you is that you're to take it, take such ownership of it, be such a good steward and manager of it, that every day you're like, God, how can I use it? God, how can it be used for you? I just want to give it away. God, I don't want to use it for my own self-edification, but rather to encourage the body of Christ so that those who don't believe look in and say, what a beautiful body. And most people who look in at the church now say, what a piece of work. We need to be the church that's revealing the difference between culture and spirit. That when the spirit truly has empowered us, we're not just some CEO of a company. Rather, we're empowered to live the gospel. So what's your gift? And I I would argue with you that you can't just take a computer test to figure it out. That may help in the process. Some of you have taken a spiritual gifts test. That can help. But one of the things that I would really encourage you to do is to ask God what that gift is that he's given you. Maybe multiple, right? But what does the end of this verse say? Of God's varied grace. And this is key. This is key. One one of my dear friends, Lonnie, absolutely stud. God has given him some phenomenal gifts. He's a servant, kind-hearted, love the dude, unbelievable. And the thing about Lonnie and I is we're different. God hasn't given us the same level of gifts or the same dispersion of it. That's the beauty of God's very grace. It doesn't mean that Lonnie's gifts are better or worse than mine. It's God's grace. That's why we can never listen. That's why as the body, we can never look at our success and say, Matthias is just killing it. We're just like, we're doing such a, we can never say that because it's God's very grace. That's why people who wear Mark Driscoll, you know, undershirts or glorify certain pastors in America higher than others, it's all the grace of God. 
It's all God's grace and appropriate time pouring out. And I just keep praying that he, that he keeps pouring out on us. Anyone else? Right? So verse 11 says this. Verse 11 says this. Verse 11. Verse, there we go. Thank you. It really does say it, I promise. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Now we got Harry Potter, right? Like, you guys see Oracle, and I've never even seen it, but it sounds Harry Potter-ish, right? Um, I want to show you something. In the rest of Scripture, we have four lists. Peter now takes all of those four lists and breaks it down into two categories. Speaking gifts and serving gifts. So even though he uses the word oracle, it's literally just saying that if your gift is speaking or wisdom or discernment and sharing that, then you better make sure that that gift is utilized as if you're speaking the words of God and it's easy to do that if you stick to the word of God. Okay, people often say in scripture, God says this, and I often say, where is it? Because people will utilize the scripture, even just the word the scripture, to make a point that ultimately isn't in the Bible. The same people that quote the scripture need to be the same people that are referencing the passage. So that then you can turn and open and together you can wrestle. If your gift is teaching or preaching or communication or discernment or wisdom, anything that has to do with vocalization, then you need to understand this. What needs to be constantly coming out of your mouth is the word of God. That's being a good steward of that gift. You're not being a good steward if all you have is human philosophy. If all you have is words that tickle the human heart and makes everyone feel better about themselves. That's not the gospel. Then he says this, and I love this, love this. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Listen, this is unbelievable. Uh, my daughter for Christmas this past year got a easy, easy bake oven. Have you, you guys know what these are? They're little tools of chaos for kids is what they are, right? This thing, it's an oven. You plug it in, I think, and it's and it, you put like this, the nastiest kind of food on this one inside, right? Like these cookies have been, it's like formaldehyde, right? And so you stick the thing in there, and this is all for, this is a kid's toy. You stick the thing in there, and it's got like a light bulb in it that's acting as the oven. Doesn't sound safe, does it? And then it's just all these reflective mirrors on the inside to basically make this an incubator, right? And, and so then it comes out the other side, and you have these cookies that are ridiculously nasty. So when my, when my daughter got the Easy Bake Oven, it doesn't come like an Easy Bake Oven, right? It comes like 10 parts and a bunch of screws, which I look at and I'm like, you know, I don't know what to do with this, right? I, I hate reading directions, anyone else, and so just like, whatever. But the premise of this is this. When kids get a gift, and it's intricate, and it has all these pieces, you don't see the dad saying like, well, figure it out, here's a screwdriver, you know? <laughs> Go to town, see what you can do, right? It comes out like some giraffe easy bake oven, right? No. Listen, listen. The dad puts it together. The dad then shows the child how to use it. The dad even shows the child like all of the different pieces and helps explain to the child what it looks like. Isn't it encouraging that God just hasn't given you a gift? but it's only because of his strength that you can even use it. 
he like takes that gift and he, show, he puts it together for you and he shows you how to use it and he empowers you to use it. And he reminds you that it's only being used because of his own namesake. Isn't that beautiful about our God? He doesn't just throw us to the wolves. He says, here you go, I'm gonna give you something. And not just am I gonna give you something, I'm gonna show you every intricacy about it so that you truly understand my name in it. That's our God. And so I want you to be encouraged tonight, not by the fact that you have giftings, which you all do as followers of Jesus, but that you have a great God who cares very much about his bride. Come on. Cares so much about the church. Sent his son to redeem the church, his bride. And trust me, the condition of it now is of grave concern to our Savior. And so a group of people who plead to God, show us how to use this gift you've given. That is one of those prayers that First John talks about is prayed in the will of God. It will be heard and it will be answered. Look at this next part. I love this. In order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Here's a gift. I'm going to give it in various levels to various people. And take this gift, and I'm going to show you how to use it, and I'm going to show you all of the pieces of it and how you can use it to strengthen the church in order that God may receive glory through Jesus Christ. This is all of our hearts. How can we worship you, God? How can we glorify you, God? Don't you love this about our Creator? He hasn't just said, all right, you're saved. You have the grace of Christ on you now. Here's the Spirit. Good luck with that. Here's a few gifts. Figure it out. No, He gives Christ. We receive grace. He gives the Spirit. Through it, we get gifts. He's given us the very thing that gives him glory. Do you understand this? It keeps reiterating the fact that nothing that we do on our own strength glorifies him. He's given us the very tools to make his name great. That's how big our God is. He gives us what it is that we're to worship him with. And this is why when people go on tangents about, for instance, speaking in tongues, it gets so confusing because it put more emphasis on the gifts than the giver. It takes a gift and it elevates it and it puts it above the one who has given it. Gifts are given to worship the one who's given it. You have a spiritual gift so that you sit back in humility and you constantly say, God, I recognize that it's for your name's sake that you've given it to me, and so I must be a good steward of it. And so like many of you, many of my friends growing up wanted to put so much emphasis, and I'm just using it as an example, on speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues. Do you have the gift? Are you not mature enough? Are you a communist? Like all these things just rattled off, right? And ultimately, I just had to come to this place where I believed, and many of you have heard my teaching on this. Speaking in tongues is a real gift, but there is much counterfeit out there, just like every other spiritual gift. There has to be a real thing, though, to have a counterfeit. And so if you take that gift, and it becomes the thing that you worship, that is the revelation that you have a misplaced idea of what spiritual gifts are. Do you understand? Listen, now you're going to hear the declaration of a disciple. Peter was a disciple of Jesus, saw the miracles, heard the teachings. His feet were washed by Christ. And I sense that in this moment of him thinking about the church and its beauty and the power of the grace of Christ, he says this. To him, 
belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed, but he's not done. Like he, he picks up again in another breath. But a disciple makes a declaration. Your church is so beautiful. Thank you for redeeming it. Thank you for giving us gifts that we could serve one another. Thank you for giving us the strength to be able to utilize. Thank you, God, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, he worships the gift giver in the word. Love this. He gets so caught up in what God is saying through the scripture that he takes a moment in his own writing and says to him, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You and I have the chance tonight to plead with God to reveal our gifts, to celebrate the church and its role, to see our role within it, and to start getting off our duff and waiting for someone else to point the finger and just begin serving, being a good steward of this blessed, gracious gift that he's given. So much so that we would get caught up in the movement of Christ to be able to say to him, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The church will be the church when together, all of us, use our gifts for the glory of Christ and the edification of the church. That is a biblical, spirit-led, missional, loving community. And that's the community that I hope God is pushing us to be. Let's pray together. God, we just desire with all that we are to know very specifically from you what it is that you have blessed us with as a gift. You've given us varied degrees of it, and we understand that. And so, God, I pray now that we don't escalate those of us in here who maybe have more um, outward gifts. I pray that we don't celebrate one another. God, will you just in this moment now, will you take all of our perspectives of what gifts are, and will you give us your perspective, will you help us celebrate you as the gift giver, as the gracious gift giver. God, open up our heart now that we just long to see a strengthened church, not just Matthias's lot, but every church in this community, in this state, in this county. God, give us a heart for that. God, would you embolden us to be used by you, not waiting for someone to point a finger. God, you've given us permission to love. Will you just empower us to do it now? God, stir our hearts with repentance for the ways that we have been a bad steward, mismanaged, and have been disingenuine with this gracious gift. We love you, God. And to you be all glory and dominion forever and ever.
Let's stand and respond.